Jesus doesn't care. 
Amen. And isn't that a true statement that Jesus doesn't care? He still offers forgiveness. That's a faucet that never runs dry. That's a God that never gives up on his children. And it's a blessing to hear that because that's a wonderful statement of our God's love for us and our, his commitment to those who don't know him, how he's continuously looking to draw us to him, but also even to ones that are saved. That's a blessing for us as well because we still can come back if we've left to him. And I like the song we sang earlier. It says, there's a crown. You can win it if you go in Jesus' name. And I want to win the crown. Don't we want to win the crown? So let's pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you're concerned about each one of us, and you know the condition of the hearts in this room. You're concerned about those who don't know you because you want to draw all men to you and those that have been drawn to you, you want to encourage us to just stay steadfast in our faith. Those that know you, we need to be strong. Those that don't know you, what a loving God that you still care and are calling out. So we pray that whatever the need is, whatever the heart's condition is, Lord, that you would respond to that need and you would feed that need and that the individuals here would respond accordingly, Lord. So we just give you this day and we praise you in your name. Amen. So we're going to read about a, a great story, and I think I want to call this um, Christian Integrity and the Lion's Den. I was reading about uh, the story, and we know about the Lion's Den. A lot of the kids, if you talk to them, they'll tell you about the Lion's Den. They know about Daniel and the Lion's Den. They probably have songs about that. And I was reading about that story, and it was a very touching story, very, very touching about Daniel. And Daniel is an inspiration to young people. Many young people can really, really be blessed by reading the story about Daniel from the beginning of Daniel. Because Daniel was, if you read the first portion of Daniel, you'll see that it says that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. He would not accept the food of the king. And that's what young people need to do today. They need to be committed, committed not to accept the food of this world, not to accept feeding the flesh, not to accept the temptations that are out there, because they're everywhere. And young people, we know you, you're faced with them, we know that you're affected by them. We know what Satan is trying to draw you into. We know, and God knows too, and he says, stand firm like Daniel. Young people, stand firm. Because Daniel, in the beginning of his, his ministry, when he was captured, this is the statement. Daniel said, I will not defile myself with the king's food. It is not acceptable. Young people, please be encouraged by that to walk strong in your integrity today, starting now. And we're going to fast forward because we're going to move up. And when Daniel is really kind of threatened regarding the lion's den, initially when he made that statement, he was 15 to 17, people think. Well, the lion's den, he was 80. I didn't realize he was an old guy. 80 years old when this, all this transpired, and now he's being challenged again. And I was reading while 
some people, uh, some gentlemen said that this should be an inspiration to older people. So young people be inspired by Daniel's life. Old people like me be inspired by Daniel's life. Now I have a program, and I was telling Ado about it. And it's a program called, and you've heard it on the news, and I deal with it every day, cash for clunkers. It's for cars that basically the government says are dead. We want them off the road. So basically what they do is give you some money to get rid of your clunker. You bring it to the dealership, we give you some crazy amount of money that you don't deserve for your car because it's not worth that. I told Edo I took in a car that had spider webs all over it and it was the worst machine I ever seen in my life. It was worth one dollar maybe to, we should have paid me that. And we gave him $4,500. He should have been doing backflips. There were spider webs all over the car, but we took it in. It was a clunker, a true clunker. The government's plan is to remove these vehicles off the road because they're useless. And it saves the environment because they're pollutants. I'm telling you, some of these things shouldn't even be on the street. And that's the whole philosophy of the program. Useless. Christians, God looked at Daniel and used him. He wasn't a clunker. Are you a clunker? Useless? Young, old, no excuse. God can use all of us. And that's the message today. He can use every single one of us. Doesn't matter our condition. Doesn't matter where we are. If we're saved and truly love him as Lord and Savior, he can use us. All we have to do is be about his business and do what he asks us to do and be right with him and he will use us. That is the message. I could actually get down now and you can go and eat. Because really that is the message. But we're not going to do that. We're going to go to Daniel 6. Daniel chapter 6. And I love the book of Daniel. It is a beautiful book about a man of God who's 80 plus years old and still walking strong, saying, I can be used. I remember talking to Adel before and he says, I cannot retire. Can you imagine retiring from God's work? There is no retirement for anybody who's about God's business because even if I'm an invalid in a deathbed and I can't do anything else, I can pray. And I'm about God's work then if I'm praying. I am about God's work if I'm committed to his work. Daniel was one of those people. Now, verse 3 says something interesting. You know the story about Daniel, and you can read it later because it says in verse 1, it says he pleased Darius to appoint 100 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So he had 120 satraps, and they were basically governing, but they said we have three governors accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So these are key people, people who I think are going to help me, the king is thinking, so I don't have to suffer loss. People I can trust, I can depend on, I can look up to. People that have integrity. That's what he picked. And listen to this, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities. Another verse says he possessed extraordinary spirit and he had an excellent spirit, I think King James says. And New Living Translation, Matt says, because of Daniel's great ability. 
Daniel wasn't just chosen. Daniel earned the right to be a man chosen. We need to earn the right to be men and women chosen. So we go into the story and you know how it is. Daniel was exceptional. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about what I'm talking about today because I'm not talking about a story. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about Christians committed. Christians that are living extraordinary lives today in this world where extraordinary lifestyles are needed and there's a purpose for them. God has a purpose in mind for extraordinary Christians. Christians have, that have integrity. Christians that are committed. So Daniel is one of those people. And it says that the administrators and satraps, they were jealous of him. So basically, you know what they did? They looked for charges against him because they were jealous. And on our jobs and in the world as Christians, any person who stands for Christ, people are looking around hoping that we fall. And anyone in here knows that. If you're around a person who just doesn't want to accept Christ, they're looking for any opportunity to say, I don't have to believe you, look at you, look at what you just did, look at what you just said, look at how you're doing the same thing. It's a way of kind of saying, I'm, I don't have to be convicted because your lifestyle doesn't convict me. Your words convict me, but your lifestyle doesn't convict me. Well, Daniel's lifestyle convicted them because it says in verse 4 that they were unable to find any problem with him. It says they could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. He was not negligent to his duty. His duty to what? To be a man of God, to serve the king, to do things righteously, not to cheat on his taxes, not to cheat, not to lie, not to look when nobody else is looking because believe me, they're looking through the, 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 the spotlights when you're not looking and not knowing that they're looking at you and they're saying, I want to find a little kink in the armor so we walk outside and we don't know they're watching men especially and all of a sudden somebody walks by with a short skirt on and we glance and hope they're not it's like they're not looking but they're looking through the glass and they see us they want to see us then they can say I'm not convinced Convicted, why should I have your Christ? He was trustworthy. The NSB says they could find no ground for accusation or evidence of corruption. I don't want them to find any evidence of corruption in me. Every step I take, every place I go, I don't want my family, I don't want my kids. I don't want the, my job, I don't want you. Can you imagine, can you imagine how it would be? Like you go to the mall and you don't know that anybody is around and a brother or sister that looks up to you sees you in a place or doing something that we shouldn't be doing. This is the message today. Men, women of integrity, Daniels, committed, no corruption. 
It cannot be there. And then they go on to say they couldn't find anything to condemn him because he was faithful. This is New Living Translation. Because he was always responsible and completely trustworthy. And a good example of that, I was kind of reading something and, and it was talking about this William Proxmire, I guess, and he was a U.S. senator. And he would announce the Golden Fleece Award for the government official or program that most succeeded in wasting the taxpayer's money. The award was first given to the National Science Foundation for having conducted a study on why people fall in love. Other recipients, recipients have included the Army for spending 6000 for a 17-page specification for bottled sauce, and the National Institute of Mental Health for funding a study, study on why bowlers, hockey fans, and pedestrians smile. Why bowlers, hockey fans, pedestrians smile. We want to figure out why you smile. What a waste. And if we read in verse 5, it says, finally these men kind of gave up. We will never find any basis for charges against the man Daniel unless it's has something to do with the law of his God. I'm going to read it again, because some of you weren't really listening to that. We can't find anything wrong with him, but the only place that we can go, unless it has something to do with the law of his God, that's the only way we can get to him, because everything else, he is stellar. But if we kind of fight him relative to his God, we got a chance. So let's see what we can do. Do you know? Did you read it? So they came up with a plan, came up with a strategy. And the strategy was they were going to go to the king and they were going to tell the king that we want you to create a rule, a law, that says that if anybody bows down to anybody except you, they go to the lion's den. That's how we'll catch him. Because it has something to do with his God. Now, Daniel prayed three times every day. Window wide open, he'd go to his room and he'd pray. They said, this is how we're going to fool him. This is how we're going to catch him. This is how we're going to get his attention. And that's what they did. And the king okayed it. And that's what happened. But I want you to think about something. Because Daniel proved himself. Now I want you to go back to Genesis. I want you to read another story. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Okay? Now we're going to, about Cain and Abel. And verse 2 says, Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel kept flocks and Cain, Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils as an offering to God. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel's and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, excuse me, 
Why is your face downcast? Why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? Why are you convicted? If you do what is right, all will be well. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. That's what the Lord told him. He says, you have a problem. You're not giving me what I want you to give me. You're not doing my will. I'm asking for something from you and you're not willing to give me what I want. You want to do it your way. You want to have it your way. I'm telling you and warning you that sin is crouching at your door. And now we have those little peepholes, don't we? And if sin was crouching at our door and we looked through the peephole, would we see anything? We wouldn't see anything because sin is very deceptive. But God told him, be careful. Be careful. And we know the story. He killed his brother because sin was crouching at the door and he opened the door. The Lord had warned him. He says that you want to be a man of God? You want to be right with me? You want to be blessed? You want to be used by me? You want to make a difference? Then clean up your, your act. Get your life right. Do what is right. Do what is right. And he says that to me and you today. Do what is right. It's simple. The message is not complicated. Do what is right. Be holy. Be sinless. Be committed. Live with integrity. Do what is right. And he didn't do what was right. He allowed sin to crouch and jump, and all of a sudden, what did he do? He killed his brother, and his testimony was now gone. But look at the consequences. Look at Genesis 4.12. The Lord said to him, when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops to you. Think about that statement. When you do your job, when you do what you love to do, when you do the thing that it produces for you, it will be ineffective. It will be unproductive. It will serve nothing. It has no value. And that's what he says to a Christian that's not living like Daniel. He says that you can go through all the motions, but sin is crouching at the door, and sin continuously is crouching at each one of our doors, Christians. Continuously. Satan is like, I will attack this way, and if they catch me, I will come the back door, and if they block the back door, I'll come through the attic or the basement, or I'll come through a window, or I'll come through any place I can come through. I'll come through the TV, the radio, wherever you let me in, I'm coming in because I'm crouching, looking to pounce on you because I have one purpose in mind, and that's to ruin your testimony. And we're going to discover why he wants to ruin our testimonies today because it's bigger than we think. It's huge to me. It is not just ruin your testimony and I go to heaven and the Lord looks at me and says, well, you know, you came in and, you know, you got all the scars on you, but, you know, come on in. I know there's fire behind you, but you get to come in. Even though you didn't do anything for me, even though you kind of hung out, I'm talking about a true born-again believer who lives a fleshly life, which is almost impossible, I want you to know. There's a thin line there. Because if sin is there and living there and residing there, there's a good chance you're really not saved. Because there needs to be victory when the Spirit of God is in us. There has to be. So he says, no way, no way. You can come in, but what a waste. 
come to the gates and nothing, nothing? He lived a kind of a mediocre life? I read something that said, what are you willing to do for $10,000? They did this, or $10 million, because that's a lot more. I better look at this again. $10 million, I might do some of these. <laughs> I don't know, just kidding. Since would you, and would you abandon your entire family? How many Americans do you think said yes? 25%. For $10 million, done. Maria, bye. <laughs> Can you imagine a man or a woman say, give me the cash and leave the children and the wife, I don't care. 20, one out of four. That's a lot of people. I don't care what anybody says. Would you abandon the church? Aha. 25% would abandon their church. And I believe in this church, it will be nowhere near that. That's how much I have confidence in you guys. Would you give up their American citizenship? 16%. Would you leave their spouses? 16%. Would you withhold a testimony and let a murderer go free? 10%. Can you imagine that? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get on the stand. <laughs> Give me the money. Let him go free. Who cares who he kills? 10%, one out of 10. Would kill a stranger, not pay to kill a stranger, would kill a stranger, 7%. For $10 million, I'll be a bounty hunter, or whatever it's called, a murderer. Would put their children up for adoption. Thank God it's a low number, 3%. But still, that's a lot. That's what people are dealing with today. Testimonies. What's your testimony like? What's your testimony truly like when God is the one looking at the resume? Not me, not your wife, not your kids, but really, when God's looking at, because he's looking at everything. He's looking at everything, every little detail, every curve of the letter, he sees it. Every time we think, record it. Every thought, every feeling, every commitment, every choice. Now Daniel learned there was a problem. And if we go to verse 10, let's go back to Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10. It says, now Daniel learned the decree that had been published, and he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. He wasn't a million, hundred million dollar Christian. He says, you can't buy this. My faith cannot be bought. You can say that I'm gonna go and die I'm willing to die for my God. I'm willing to do whatever it takes for my God because I love him so much. I refuse to sin. You remember about Joseph and Potiphar's wife? And he said that she's attacking him, and she's probably the most beautiful woman he ever seen. More than like I'm telling you, she probably was. And he said, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, well, if, if I do this, will you tell the king? 
if I do this, it might get out and, and everybody might find out about it. If I do this, um, can we do it again maybe? No, he said, I don't go there. That's not my choice. How can I do this again against God? And I think if we kind of look at our behavior and judge our choices on that level, that standard, it kind of raises the bars. Like, how can I do this and God is watching? How can I do this when I say I want to please God? How can I do this and watch this program, do this thing, invest in this, and sin against my God? He remained faithful, no matter what the cost. Now, when the king heard about it, the king was floored. And it says, verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. I don't know. I truly don't know why. But I truly believe that one of the reasons why is because Daniel was very effective for him. He could trust Daniel. But I want you to see something in this man. He put Daniel on a pedestal, and that's why he didn't want to lose his Daniel. Because Daniel watched over, and remember, it says that Daniel was the one that really helped him, what? Keep track of his money so he wouldn't suffer loss. That's not a bad thing. Our jobs, that's not a bad thing. There are people in here right now that your boss would give you all the money and keys to the building because they trust you. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to have that kind of integrity with our bosses where they look to us and they say, he has integrity. I trust him. I'll give him the keys. He can go to the safe and I trust Dean that Dean won't steal from the safe. He won't steal even with all the doors and everything open. He will not do it. Why? Because he's had a history with me of integrity. And I think that's what happened. He looked at him and said, man, I, what a man. How could, you, how could I have done that? How could I have created a rule and a law, and now my man is getting ready to go to, to the lion's den? So we know what happened. Verse 17 says, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. He could not sleep. I like that. I want to have that kind of effect on my boss, where I'm in trouble or something's up with me, and he's affected like that. That's a good thing, I think. I really do. I think you're gaining a certain respect, and we should have the respect of those who work with us and who are around us. We should live such a stellar life where our boss should say that. He should be like hurt that we would leave him. I don't want to leave. You mean lose Dean? You know, Brad, what do you mean Brad? Do you know what Brad did for me? Do you know we were going through a, a real tough period and I called Jeffrey and I told Jeffrey, I know you don't get paid for this, but I need you to work throughout the night for me. Oh, Sean, you, no, I need you to do something for me. And, Sean, can you do this? No problem. I'll do this. No problem. 
Christians, the best workers in the world. That's what we should be. The best workers. Why? We're going to get to the answer. We're moving kind of slow, but we're moving. And if you look at the picture, it appears that Daniel's enemies have won. They probably were doing backflips. He's in the lion's den and it's sealed. Yet could any seal by man ever keep God from accomplishing his plans? There is no seal that can stop God from doing his purposes in our life. Period. Man cannot stop God's purposes. And if God's purpose is to do something in your life, no one can stop that. And that's what happened. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried into the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, excuse me, has your God, who I've recognized, you serve all the time. Daniel, has the God that you keep putting on a pedestal, has the God that you were being willing to die for, has the God that basically you had to say, I love you more than my own life, has this God that you've shown to me, even though I don't understand him, has this God that's blessed you and transformed your life, has this God come through? Has this God that you put all your confidence in come through? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lion, and they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in their sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted his God. Ah, what a breath of fresh air. Because he had trusted his God. The God whom you serve continuously, the God who you bow down to, the God you're willing to give up your life to, the God that you've lived a life to glorify Christ, the God that has really you've been faithful to, the God that has changed your life, the God that has made you the man or the woman that you are, the God, he saved you, he rescued you, he blessed you, he came through again, again, because he could be counted on, because no man can stop God's plan. Impossible. Well, another place which I really, really love, um, Eight twenty-two, yeah, Exodus. This Exodus is kind of interesting because this passage I was reading it, and, and I kind of got touched by it, and I don't know why the Lord touched me by it. But Exodus eight twenty-two. I couldn't get off this passage for the last few weeks. And I couldn't figure out why. And I, maybe it's because he wanted to share it in this message. Because God deals with us differently. 
Those that are his, he deals with us differently. You should feel special, and I should feel special. Because read this. Verse 22 says, but on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. Lord says, I make a distinction between you and the world. He made it clear to them, the flies and the critters are attacking, but they're not going to touch you. And then you go over to verse 4 of chapter 9 of Exodus, it says, But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. God makes a distinction between his people, those that are walking with him and those that are not. He makes a distinction. He sees us, and he blesses us accordingly. According to what? According to our faithfulness. Daniel got out. Well, what happened? 624 of Daniel, and the king's command, the men who were falsely accused, Daniel, were, were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them, and they were crushed to their bones. There's a big distinction there. Because I didn't hear Daniel coming out with crushed bones. God is faithful to his children. And the blessing of this story is that lives that were changed because of the testimony of this man. And this is where I believe, honestly, I truly want us all to get. Because if you look at Daniel 6, 26 and 27, we're going to talk about this man, the, the king. And he says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. He didn't say reverence Daniel. Daniel is no longer on the pedestal with this man. God is. Daniel's God is now on the pedestal. Things shifted. He put Daniel on the pedestal because Daniel was his man. But he saw the power of Daniel's God. And I want us to get it. Please get it that God says your testimony is so important that it transforms other people's lives, and you got to get that. you got to get the importance of the fact that your life, your walk, your commitment to Christ is effective in other people's lives. Because look at this man who said, Daniel, I don't want to lose you. And now he's saying, I don't want your God to not be put on the pedestal. Now his God is up here. This man saw his God because he saw Daniel's commitment to his Christ and God glorifying his name and coming through and blessing and saving this man. And now God is now on the pedestal and this man is touched. And he says, he is a living God. This is a man who doesn't know God. He says, your God is a living God. He's not a dead God. And he endures forever. He rescues and he saves what a testimony. You mean you're telling me about my God now, the one who didn't see my God, the one who didn't recognize my God, the one who didn't understand my God, now is saying that this God, because of your testimony, because of your commitment to Christ, because of the commitment that you had to live a holy life, I recognize him, I see him, and I am amazed. I want him. Why? Because of the integrity of Daniel. Because of the integrity of Adel, because of the integrity of Sylvia, Bill, 
Mike, because of the integrity of everyone in here who knows Christ. Other people are touched when we're really living right for God, and it's real. It's not words, because words don't impress them. Don't try it, because it won't make a difference. It might make you feel better, saying the all, all the right things, but then walking in a different direction. Saying all the right things, but going home and looking at things that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Reading things you shouldn't be reading. Meditating on things you shouldn't be meditating on. Doing things you shouldn't be doing. Then the lives are just like this. It doesn't even match. There's two lives. And the effectiveness, gone. Turn one page back. One page. Starting in verse three, or chapter three, verse 16. We're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know the story. Those who know the Bible, and if you don't read it, when you have time, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, and they were told to bow down, just the same thing, bow down, and they said, no, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set forth. They said, no way. My God is too important to me. I love him so much, I'm willing to die. There's no $100 million that will get me to deny my God. I will not deny him. I will not. I don't care if you kill me. I'll go to the blazing furnace. I will die. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was, look at the response. He was furious. He was furious. He says, how dare you not bow to me? Don't you know who I am? I'm the king. I can do anything I want to do to you. Go to the furnace. Turn up the fire. I'll show you. And they says in 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, those, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Wow. They said, no thanks. I'm not denying my God. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up my integrity. I love him too, too much. And then it talks about they saw four. And you can read it. The king looks, he sees four, and he's wondering, what's going on? Same with Daniel, an angel res rescued him. But don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can't fathom that. But this is how much passage is there, this much words. And from this point where he says he was furious, this point where he says, I praise this God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened? That floors me. Because it was a transformation of a man 
because there was integrity of a man. Three men touched his life. He saw the power of God because they were committed. He said, no way. We will stand firm for the Lord no matter what. Why? Because other lives, and I really meditated on this, and I said, Lord, the only reason you left me here is to be a testimony for you so that other people can come to know you. It's not for me. We need to really get that, I think. This much text, but a life changed. Because if you read it, he says he's rescued his servants and they trusted in him and defied the king's command. He says, therefore I decree that the people of any nation and language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. The man who was furious says there's no other God who can save in this way. And that wasn't because of anything except the power of God in a life that says, Lord, use me. Take me. It's not my life. There's people in your life that are, you want to really save, and it's family members that are close to us. It's friends, workers, that may be close to us. And we want to touch them. This message for me, and that part that says, for no other God can save in this way. Do we really get that? That no other God can save in this There is no other way they can come to a knowledge of Christ unless they see our Jesus. And when he comes back, he's not coming for them to see him. He's coming to take us to be with him. So if they need to see him, they need to see you and me showing him, marrying him, living him, being like Jesus. So when all is said and done, when you talk about Daniel, and you talk about the lion's den, and you talk about difficulty in our lives, we talk about den because we have dens. We have issues that are going on that are unbelievable, some of us. Dens where God has placed us in a den where we're just not sure what to do. But this same God for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same God today that says, I will rescue you. I will take you. I will help you. I will deliver you. Not just for you, but so that you would be a testimony to, to those around you that I am God. I am the only Lord that saves. I am the only way. There is no other way except me. Do people see that in our lives? You're in the furnace? Praise God. Stay faithful in the furnace and allow God to have his way with you because there are people watching you in the furnace. And God is challenging you in the furnace to be a man or a woman of God, to walk upright, to be faithful. Why? So other people can get saved. It's all of God's business is that he loves us so much. Those who are lost, he wants us to come to a knowledge of him. They asked Mother Teresa 
It's like, why do you deal with all this stuff, the kids dying and everything? The success level is unbelievable. There is no success. They're dying. And she said to the senator, the senator was asking her these questions. He says, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. We're not called to be successful in this world. We're called to stand firm with Christ and be faithful. That's what we're called to be. And I love this. The reason I'm called to be faithful is this song that Casting Crowns, I just, I just listened to it over and over and over. It says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. So far away, but now I'm home. I'm home now. I'm saved. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And now my life song sings. I was lost, but now I'm found. My life now sings something different to the world. I show the world something beautiful because I was lost. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, and now I see. I don't know how. I don't know how, Jesus, you did it. I don't know how you made these eyes see this life real, this hope gone. I don't know how you did that. I can't explain how Jesus saved my soul. I can't explain it. I'm a new man because of what he did. He says, I can't explain it. I don't know, but when he touched me, I was blind, but now I see. But you touched me. And he says, and now my life song sings. What is your life song singing today? Your life, what is it singing? What is the melody? What are people hearing? What are they seeing? And then he goes along and says, I once was dead and now I live. I once was dead and now I live. My, now my life to you I give. Now my life to you I give. That's what we have to do or else the song is a catastrophe. What is your life song today? Is it a song that glorifies God? I, it doesn't matter if we're in the den or the pit. Doesn't matter where we are, the fiery furnace. God says, I'm using you, I'm placing you wherever I place you, whatever I'm doing in your life, so that you can touch others and show Christ. But are you willing to do that? Are you willing to live a life of integrity like Daniel and say, no matter what, I'm going to stand firm. Why? Because I was blind. I was lost. I was dead. But now I see that's why my life song should be different. That's why I should glorify you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't really even know why you even put up with us so much. I can't really fathom it. But I do know that's because of love. It's a, it's a kind of love that I, I can't relate to. But you love us. And those that are Christians today, please, let's all make a commitment. Let's write it in, in blood that we will serve Christ and there's no turning back. Because the costs are too much. Other people's lives. It's not us. 
It's other people's lives are affected by our consistent commitment to serve you. Help us, Lord Jesus. And there has to be someone in here that maybe you recognize just a little bit of this God. Because it's the same God that went to the cross and died with the interest of wanting to save you. And he wants to use our lives to show you the love of Christ. His love, because he's committed to saving you and rescuing you. Now I ask, if there's anyone here today, you have an opportunity to say, I want to believe in that God, just like the king was changed. I sense this love, and I want to be part of the family of God. I sense that I'm a sinner. I sense that I've fallen away. I sense that I have no hope. I see it in my life, and I want hope. I want peace. I want joy. If there is anyone here today, you have an opportunity to put your hand up really quickly and down, and we'll pray for you. Just quickly, anyone here that wants to give their life to Christ. And Christians, let's, let's hold that battalion up high. Let's run the race that God has called us to run. And when it's all said and done, may we walk through the gates and God, the Lord just shake our hands and give us a hug and we bow down to him and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. May he say that about each one of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we love you, we praise you in your name. Amen.